Alrighty, welcome back to the Celtics Lab Podcast. I'm your host, Cameron Tetsby. I'm joined by Alex Goldberg and Dr. Justin Quinn. If you're noticing a distinct lack of echo, I bought a new mic. Hopefully uh, you all appreciate that. Some good, some bad, some ugly things in Celtics land. We're eventually going to talk about goals we have for the players this season, but of course we'll talk about training camp and all of that. Um, and our guest du jour is friend of the podcast, a man who really doesn't need an introduction. Um, he's out on the road on the board on third base tour. Gary Goldman, how are you? I'm great, guys. Thanks for having me back. It's uh, it's a good harbinger of the season. Yeah, yeah. Uh, can you fill us in? How's the tour going? Where are you going next? Um, I think the next show I have is, I think, uh, I think Ridgefield, Connecticut, and then Philadelphia and Baltimore. I think over oh. the next few weeks, you could have said anything and I'd have to believe yeah. <laughs> it's all, it's all on Gary I, and I've, and I've gotten my, my travel in order. So I'll, I'll be there. I just, <laughs> I, I don't keep track of the calendar that well. If Google calendar ever collapsed, I would never make it to any of my classes that I teach. So, um, right. I'm with you. Um, Justin, Alex, how are you? Can't complain, you know, we're getting into October, which is always a crazy month. I guess I can complain. Um, Cam, I think our basketball team needs to start winning some games. So, yeah, uh, no comment. <laughs> I should probably have no comment. I have family in Southwest Florida. Uh, there's a major hurricane there right now, and it's taking a lot of willpower not to be doom scrolling on Twitter in the background during this podcast. So, uh, Best of luck to everyone in that area. Stay safe. And I hope that everyone out there is more calm than I am with family in that area. Yeah, well said. It's Wednesday. It's quarter of six East Coast time. Um, so unfortunately, the situation might get worse before it gets better. Um, so yeah, we're thinking of folks down in Florida for sure. What we'll do first, we'll do the news. Um, we'll work backwards. We'll talk about training camp, Rob Williams' knee, and some of the tomfoolery on the bench, I guess is the politest way we can put it. And then for most of the podcast, Gary, you're here to evaluate the goals that we have set for the Celtics as individuals. So first, in the interest of news, um, training camp opened this week. We got to see Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum go one-on-one. I heard that Peyton Pritchard was king of the court, which is fun. And the big man battle is uh, underway. Justin, anything I missed and anything um, from someone who's really dialed in that you're most excited about? At this point, anything that has to do with basketball and the Celtics, I think, is a most welcome alternative. We could talk more about why that is shortly. Uh, but just, you know, I wasn't there. I'm in Mexico City, so I have to you know see the, the same footage y'all do when it comes to, like, practices and all that good stuff. So... From from what I saw in that, the, the demeanor of the people compared to a media day, it was, I've heard it described as a funeral uh, for, for media day, and it kind of did have a slightly funeralish vibe, like, we're going to try to celebrate the life of so-and-so departed, but uh, either dead kind of a feel. So anything really besides that, I think, is a step in the right direction. Fair enough. Hey, Gary, I know you're... Uh, a working individual, so maybe not laser focused on the Celtics, but from maybe a step removed as a fan, like what's your mood going into the season in this moment? I, I, I know that <laughs> some teams overcome adversity and changes and adjustments, and some teams don't. And I feel like the Celtics are one of those teams that, that do overcome these, these things and, and thrive under scrutiny and pressure. And, and I mean, I, I know there are some people who are disappointed with the, with the finals last year, but the fact that they were in the finals after the way they started and also the road, the path they had to the finals with Robert Williams being injured and then not at a hundred percent. I, I just feel like they're, they're prepared for something like this. It's not going to be easy, but it wasn't easy last year. And I, and I think they can make adjustments and, 
and I'm I'm hopeful. It's it's a great position to be in. Yeah, and I think to that point, you know, everything that I have heard from the actual training camp sessions, like people getting out on the floor and actually playing and like working through drills, et cetera, et cetera, all of the quotes that are coming out of the actual camp seem to indicate that the Celtics, despite all of the things that are happening around them, are pretty laser focused on getting this season into shape and coming out strong here. Um, there's a quote from Mark D'Amico on Twitter earlier today saying that Jalen Brown alluded multiple times that the Celtics are playing smarter basketball so far in this camp and that they're more conscious of taking care of the ball and getting to their spots. Grant Williams and Malcolm Brogdon have both talked about how there's a high level of competition and clear motivation for everybody to come in and like get to work and really uh, just focus in on the task at hand of building the best possible team for this year. And so it's one of those things where it, it takes a lot to go back to the finals the year after you've lost. There are not many teams that are able to do it. So the odds are stacked against Boston just to begin with there, n- not even taking into account the fact that they're going to be missing Robert Williams. And obviously there is a huge amount of drama surrounding their now rookie head coach. Um, but all all that aside, it is somewhat reassuring to hear that the actual basketball and the execution of playing the game, or at least working towards playing the game, so far seems to be going pretty well. Yeah, I would hazard that Jason and Jalen are due to get better. I mean, they're still 24 and 25 years old. So if we're assuming they're going to hit their pride, I mean, their pride, their stride, um, things are looking good for the Celtics. Um, apologies to the YouTube crowd. My indoor garden light just turned on. That was very surprising to me. Um, let's talk about Rob. We keep talking about him. So Rob Williams went under the knife for cleanup surgery. I think everyone who's listening to this podcast probably knows that the timeline the team gave was eight to 12 weeks until he returns to basketball activities. Gary Washburn of the Boston Globe said he probably doesn't think that Rob will play until after new year's. A, a Christmas day return feels fun, but um, new year's feels probably more accurate. Gary, big, big deal, big deal, or only sort of a big deal that Rob Williams could be out until January. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's sort of a a big deal in, in that he, he's injury prone, but I, I keep thinking back to, to 1986 when Bill Walton had one of the most injury prone careers other than Greg Oden. I can't really think of anybody whose career was derailed more significantly than, than Bill Walton. I mean, Zion Williamson, but he's, he's still very young, but I, I, I felt like, well, we needed Bill Walton for one season to put out the greatest NBA team of in my lifetime to me, in my, in my humble opinion. And I can I can be patient with with Robert Williams' injury and 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 he's very young and I feel that missing a huge chunk of the regular season is not a bad thing always. I, I've seen players be, be more arrested. I think Kyrie Irving looked really fresh last year in the in the playoffs against us. I mean, it was too late. But January is not bad. I mean, we turned everything around last year in, in January. So I'm, I'm, I'm positive. And the, the slower they take it and the more patient and the, the, the minutes restrictions, I, I, we're just, once again, we're playing for the, for the playoffs. And, and I th- it's not ideal, but I don't think it's the worst case scenario, which is close to what we had last year in that he was injured with three or four games left in the season against Minnesota. And I, and I don't feel, I mean, do you, he wasn't a hundred percent in the playoffs. I don't even know if he was 80%. Pretty close, Yeah. Yeah. And he, he actually alluded to that in kind of his press conference at media day. He, he was well aware that he was not playing a hundred percent and he played through it anyway. And it sounds like by all accounts, he did not regret that decision and was pretty happy to do so. But you know, to your point, Carrie, I definitely think there is kind of a silver lining to 
be had here and that if if it is if Rob needs two, three months to get right and he comes back like really ready to go, that could be a huge boost to Boston, obviously, for so many different reasons. The one area where I'm a little bit trepidatious on is well, it's two areas really. Uh, the first is that I don't want to put any extra miles on Al Horford that we don't have to. Um, obviously, Al is in pretty great shape for his age, and it seems like he feels pretty confident that he'll be able to handle the workload. But nonetheless, you know, we want Al to be firing on all cylinders when we head into the playoffs. And the second thing is that in a tougher Eastern Conference this year, which I think a lot of us agree is going to be the case if everybody stays healthy, seeding is going to matter. Like the Celtics will have a much easier path towards a return to the NBA Finals if they are a high seed in the postseason this year. I think that's pretty clear. So with the caveat that above all else, the ceiling for this team is at its highest when Rob is fully healthy, you do want to be at least a little bit careful in those first couple months. Joe Mazzulla was actually looking at this as an opportunity to, to really dig into the players they're bringing on and try to create some depth. And the worry obviously is that the depth is just not going to materialize out of any of those players. I, I tend to think that a couple of them look like they might be able to handle, you know, at least 10, 15 minutes a game. And I think that's what you need. We can talk about this more later in terms of our goals for certain players, but they, they need to come up with that kind of depth for exactly the reason that you highlighted, Alex, because Al Horford is definitely capable of handling the workload, but we don't want him to get injured. And when you get older, whether you are in the best shape of your life or not, when you get injured, it takes way longer to heal. I mean, I twist my ankle playing pickup basketball. I can't do it again for like two months. It's like you can't get hurt when you get older because it just takes forever to heal. So you're taking yourself out of the running for – Back a big man for the Celtics. I am. Bummer. I was really rooting for you. Um, okay, uh, we're going to get a little serious for the next few minutes. So if people are so sick of talking about the Udoka stuff, just fast forward like seven or eight minutes. But um, Gary, I, I wanted to ask you, you're a comedian for those who don't know. Um, after the Udoka scandal hit, I saw so many people just getting the cheapest of jokes off online. Um, can you just talk to us about the value of punching up rather than punching down? <laughs> and like what the value of a good joke actually is. Yeah. I, I think there, it was, it's just one of those in a bad way, a, a perfect scandal for Twitter. It has, it has sex. It has some famous people. It has sports and it's it's just so easy to go in there. I am so personally tired with how gossip centric our our culture has has become, and I, I feel I feel like it's it's. Unfortunately, it's where the the media goes. They know they will get clicks on this. They know mm-hmm. they will get people discussing it and have opinions and and people can't resist it. And and so it's I mean, I, I get a suggestion every morning of where they want to send me on on Twitter with the trending and the for you. And I will not click on those on those things. I, I the first day when I saw Ime, I thought, okay, I hope this is something positive with the Celtics. And it and it and it wasn't. And since then I've I've avoided every every aspect of it because there's no new news about it. It's 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 junk food in terms of the brain and mm-hmm. and it's not interesting to me and i also i mean in in my lifetime in in comedy i came up in 1993 for the first time and that was that was 
I mean, that was a great year for crappy jokes like this. It was <laughs> it was Nancy Kerrigan and Tanya Harding. It was there was this guy named John Wayne Bobbitt who don't even bother Googling him. I, I, I feel bad for bringing it up again. And then within that calendar year, the OJ Simpson case where he murdered his, his ex-wife and allegedly and a waiter. And so I've been averse to those types of jokes since then, because the way you sort of move forward in comedy for the most part is by giving audiences something they don't have access to a, a different voice, a different point of view, a new style and talking about those issues. The people who went on before you talked about it, the people who went on you after talked about it. And so, I mean, I, I can't, I can't be sure what Boston comedians are talking about right now, but I'm, I'm, the worst ones are talking about this and and it's just, and the audiences of course are eating it up, but I, I just, and the, the other aspect of, of comedy that drives me crazy is, is just how cruel people can be. And I, I, I was taught a very good lesson. I, I once tweeted about uh, uh, Zolak, the Patriots announcer. I tweeted, Zolak is all sarcasm, no insight. And one day I was doing the Toucher and Rich show in Boston, and Zolak said, are you the guy from New York who tweeted <laughs> about me? And... I said, I don't, I don't remember, but it's very possible you infuriate me. And, <laughs> and he was so gracious about it and so kind. And I vowed a couple of things. One, to be more forgiving of people. And two, to never tweet anything at someone that I would not say to their face. Because it is really uncomfortable when you are face to face with the person that you made a dig at. I was just glad I hadn't said anything worse than that, but it wasn't, it wasn't kind. And he does provide insight. I was just irritated by any, any announcer who says anything negative about a Boston team. It, I take it personally for whatever reason. So anyhow, those are my takes on, on <laughs> types of, of things. I, I, I appreciate you going to me for my insight. You're the subject matter expert here. Yeah. We're here for the Celtics and I guess teacher stuff. Um, okay. I will see. Well, I mean, I teach my students often that like, if you're going to be funny, earn it and do it well, the, the cheap stuff isn't worth anyone's time. Um, oh, I think it's worth just for a moment kind of sharing our dislocation right now, how we feel about the Celtics organization. Um, I don't want to report anything that isn't true or put words in anyone's mouth, but I think that we're perhaps concerned with uh, the coverage or lack thereof of really like how the Celtics got into this mess. Um, and we're a little disappointed that maybe uh, that they're getting a little bit of a free pass because what Udoka did is so scandalous that how the team handled it um, over the summer and at media day and moving forward hasn't been well addressed. So, yeah, Justin. So let me say a couple of things uh, related to that. The first I think is that one of the greatest advantages the Celtics have had the entire of, entirety of their existence from the moment Red Auerbach signed on, which was, I think they were like four or five years old at that point onwards they have been among the most competent organizations in the NBA. When I say competent, I mean that stuff like this does not happen, right? Mm -hmm. So this happening is all the more jarring because it happened with an organization like the Celtics. And I think they're getting a free pass from the media in ways that the Phoenix Suns, for example, or the Dallas Mavericks have not because of that. And on a lot of issues, like particularly the issue of race, it is a well-merited, you know, cocoon of goodwill that surrounds the organization. 
Well, I think one of the things that has been bothering at least us, I don't know about other people, is the fact that sexism is a pervasive issue in sports, all sports, not just the Celtics, not just the NBA, but all sports, that women's place in sport has even now continually pushed up against that. And I think probably the most important part of what is bothering me at least is that the people who were brought out to take care of the situation, namely the team owner, the team president, and the new coach are all men. And Mm -hmm. the people who are aggrieved in this situation, or at least allegedly aggrieved, uh, we don't really know very many details, but we do know that the woman's identity in the situation is being hidden, that women employees were affected on the Celtics because of it, and that there may or may not be, they are still supposedly looking into this, be a culture of this potentially. Uh, I won't get into any particular details there out of respect for the Celtics organization, but There is good reason to believe that there have been other incidents. It's sports. This happens in sports when when we have issues involving women. And even though I trust the Boston Celtics and probably the rest of you trust the Boston Celtics, it's not up for us to make that decision. Yeah. First of all, I understand the irony that this is for men having this conversation. I wish my take on Missoula as someone who has been charged with domestic violence is not that he should not be participating in civil society. Of course he should. He did something when he was in college. And it it does seem like he has worked hard. I I just wish there was more of an acknowledgement that that still might make coworkers feel unsafe or uneasy. That the the lip service, however genuine, was really around his growth as a person, which is important. And it does, again, I don't have any particular concerns with Missoula as a person today, but I'm not a woman in his workplace. I'm not a survivor of sexual violence, male or female. And just some acknowledgement and some grace around it still might be hard was lacking, I feel, in a way where it's great that he has the trust of the players and the organization. And again, I believe him when he says he's learned from this moment, but that that might not be enough to make other people feel safe or dignified in a way that I don't know. It just, it felt absent from the discourse. It felt absent from media day um, as well. It might on media day. I don't know. Um, there's more work yeah. to be done. There's more work there's, to be done. There is more work to be done. I would caution that. I think it's really tough to um, ask that question mm-hmm. on media day sure. and expect yeah. a substantive response uh, or a plan for that, especially mm-hmm. with the organization still very much reeling from kind of what uh, has happened with Yudoka and what might be kind of, playing out with you, Doka, that situation is not finished. Um, but I think it's a, for, for Joe Missoula, I, I agree. Ultimately the responsibility lies at least somewhat with him and with the Celtics brass to reset the conversation there and like change the tone on that. Um, but that is not something that they can accomplish in a day. That's going to be something that's going to take multiple years of consistent commitment and effort uh, on the part of Missoula and uh, Brad Stevens and Wick Grosbeck and everyone else. Now, you could go out of your way to say, hey, we acknowledge that this is a problem and we are going to do something about it. And that is maybe where the Celtics response was lacking. But um, to expect them to try and like offer something realistic, particularly with everything else that's going on uh, during just like the abbreviated information session of media day. I think that's a tough ask. Sure. All right. I just felt like we needed to say something. Gary, you keep coming on when, when heavy things (laughs) are in the air. Um, I'm going to do an ad read and then we're going to have some fun laying out some goals for the Boston Celtics. How's that? Football is back and bet online remains your number one source for all your football betting needs this season. You'll always find the latest football odds, team matchup info, player news, and game trends at bet online. As your continued source for all your sports wagering information, Bet Online features live betting, free contests, and live scores and giveaways all season long. Always the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your favorite sports and events. You can bet MLB, MMA, tennis, boxing, and even golf. Head to betonline.ag to join and receive a 50% welcome bonus with your first deposit. Make sure to use our promo code CLMS50 to receive your rewards. Bet Online, where the game starts. Uh, that promo code doesn't get you tickets to Gary's show, but you should buy them anyways. Okay. The goal. You're here to talk about player goals. 
this is the defending Eastern Conference champions after all, so we can be excited once again about Boston Celtics basketball. Uh, in reasonably short order, cough, 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 we're going to run through these, and you can either tell us our goal is good, tell us our goal stinks, or completely ignore us and give your own goal entirely. Sound good? Yes. All right, Gary Goldman. My goal, I'm up first, is for Jason Tatum, and I would like to see Jason Tatum get to the rim more. He was 15th in free throw attempts last year. He had 6.2 per game. That's his highest as a pro, which is a pretty good number. Um, But it's not on the order of, you know, the 11 or 12 that Giannis and Embiid are getting or the eight that even old James Harden was getting last year. So I'd like to see Jason Tatum attack the rim more. Um, We can evaluate that by free throw attempts, perhaps. Um, And also he's getting to be a better passer and there's going to be a lot of shooters waiting for those passes. So my goal for Jason Tatum is to attack the rim more. Your thoughts, Gary? I I agree with that. And I, I also, I probably mentioned this last year when we, or last season when we talked, was that I, I had watched some, or a lot of Jason Tatum Duke highlights. And what I noticed was happening was the, the ease with which he was taking it to the rim in college that one year, which it, it amazes me how good he was in just his freshman year and how used to that we are, just guys being so dominant their freshman year when it was just a handful, the Jordans, the Patrick Ewings, the Wayman Tisdales who were that, mm-hmm. that dominant. But at least when I was growing up, it usually took a year or two for a freshman, maybe because the coaches weren't on a, a such a time schedule, they figured they'd have him for two or three years. Anyhow, I, I noticed that Tatum's season last year was closest to what he was able to do in college that I'd ever seen him, that he was, he was able to, to get to the rim with such ease. And I, and I, I mean, you probably, I would need the stats, but I, it felt like he was getting fouled more frequently or going to the rim more frequently towards the, the end of the season, especially when they were making their, their run. It, it felt that way. I don't know if that's the, the case. I, I, but. Anecdotally, I think you're right. Um, and I remember looking at those stats, but I don't have the numbers in front of me. Yeah. And I, I, I mean, going with the, the getting to the rim more, I, I feel like every season he's gotten broader and stronger strength and muscle wise. I, 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 really feel like that also at 24 years old, that's, that's, that's when you're coming into your prime, I think physically as a, as a, as a muscular athlete. So you're down with the cause. You like this goal? Yes. It's a terrific goal. Thank you. And, and we'll add another six to eight points at least. Yeah. Yeah, That doesn't suck. Don't hit that. Yeah. All right. Dr. Quinn, you're up. So the low-hanging fruit with Jalen Brown is the handle, right? We, we all saw him dribbling into crowds of Miami Heat defenders and getting stripped over and over again, which just got worse as he progressed further into the, 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 the postseason and the scouting report really you know dug into that weakness of him. But not just that. I would also like to see him beyond tightening up the handle, just maximizing possessions in general, valuing them more than he has in the past. And part of that, obviously, whether his handle is good or not, when he finds himself being attacked repeatedly, working on his passing game, working, doing basically what, what Tatum did last season, and to an extent he did as well, but not nearly as much, working on becoming more of a distributor so that way when he does find him in, in a situation where he's being game-planned, that he can use that to his advantage rather than have it be a problem for him. So that's my main goal for, for Jalen this season. I, I think that's a I think that's an excellent goal. I I I wouldn't say it's low hanging fruit. I I mean it was the it was the most frustrating aspect of the of the finals for me. And and I I also I didn't think it was fair how much people one felt Jason Tatum was 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 bad in the in the finals because now we know he was injured. And also, it it was it was really good defense they they 
played against them and it, and it was a and it was a great team and they had played a, a really long season and had a really tough playoff so it was it was understandable but i i also didn't like that they they the the fans dismissed jalen brown as a ball handler because i i think his ball handling improved from the season before i they i definitely did yeah, but you're also right about the the scouting report got more clearer and clearer as the playoffs went along that you could really frustrate him in it by the, by uh, going for those picks and it was yeah it was a it was a bummer because I saw how hard he must have worked on his handle in the in the interim and 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 you also don't want somebody to that fear of fumble thing. Where the where the person gets in their head and and that that also contributes to it. So you don't want somebody to to not take the. It, we saw what happened with Ben Simmons, where his shooting became to the point where he didn't want to take a layup. And it, and it's there's so much confidence involved. So that that's that's a great goal. And and also with the the same with the Jason Tatum. They're they're both very actionable. And and I'd be shocked to find out that those weren't. Things that these the guys had worked diligently on in the offseason. It sounds like what we're hearing from training kit that these are points yeah. of emphasis. All right. So firm Alex. agreement on that goal too. Alex, you're up. Do it. Um, so I've got Marcus Smart, my guy, my man, favorite, favorite player. I don't know. He's he's certainly up there. Um, and Marcus Smart had a really nice year last year. I think he took a pretty significant step forward as a full-time starting point guard, uh, as an engine for the offense, and as just kind of a mature player. Um, I have two goals for Marcus this year to help him capitalize on that momentum and keep that going. The first is uh, keep getting involved in off-ball stuff. Marcus Smart screening for ball handlers was one of the most effective offensive plays in the Eastern Conference last year, and he got really, really good at it, just like using his size and positioning to set hard picks high up on the perimeter and free Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown. Um, keep getting to your spots on offense. I thought Marcus Smart's shot selection was a lot better last year, and I hope that he can keep that momentum up. You know, get to your spots. He's got uh, some finishing moves around the rim now. Um, he can hit corner threes at a pretty decent clip. You don't want him, you know, shooting 12 times a game, ideally, but um, picking your spots and really just facilitating player movement as much as he can on offense. Marcus, I think, did a pretty good job setting up the offense and uh, getting players to where they needed to be and telling them where they needed to be in the sense of like being a true floor general. Um, I think there's even more of that that he can do. And I think a lot of that will actually come with additional off-ball reps uh, while other players like Malcolm Bragdon, Derek White, and um, Peyton Pritchard do a little bit more on-ball stuff. Like Marcus can still be a really high IQ, high impact offensive player uh, that gets dudes to where they need to need to be, sets up the offense, uh, and kind of does all of the dirty work, much like he does on defense, but just transitioning that to the offensive side of the floor. So great year last year, Marcus. Keep doing the stuff that worked well. Just you know, do it even more. Yeah, I I I, I love that. I I it, it's very insightful because most. Most of my friends who are fans will complain about his shot selection, but you're right. It gets better every year. And, and just, it's been so fun to be able to watch these guys since their rookie years, just improve in, in every aspect of the game from year to year. And, and the, with the, with the confidence and, and sort of realizing that, that uh, Eastern conference championship is is not going to require a miracle they just have to play their their game and be healthy and and i i i feel like with with marcus it's it's similar with jalen brown's ball handling you you don't you don't want him to be so concerned with his shot selection that he doesn't take those really courageous shots when he's when he's open and and or I mean, he he also became such a better passer and and playmaker this year, and I, I just think with the confidence and also the trust of the of the team and his teammates, especially. I mean, I I think the impact 
of coaches are overrated when their team is good and when the team is is bad. And I think what, what it really comes down to is, is how much these guys love playing together and, and trust each other and, and can, can rely on each other. Describing Marcus Smart's shot selection as courageous is so diplomatic, Gary. I love <laughs> that so much. He's not afraid of taking really no. big shots. Sometimes and it can be a problem, but yeah, not so much lately. Thank you. Yeah, but you you want you want somebody who who believes in themselves, and I I think that I think that builds. We it was very unlikely we were going to win an NBA championship last year, but I think we got a lot out of that run. Yeah, for sure. All right, Doctor Quinn, you're up. Okay, so earlier I kind of touched on this. Uh, I have Al Horford and Al Horford is probably not adding anything to his game at this point of his career, right? We need Al Horford to do one thing this season, what he does very well in the playoffs. It'd be nice if we could do it in the regular season too. He says he's conditioned and capable of playing back-to-backs. I don't care. Take them off or play very minimal, like 12 minutes, 14 minutes, something like that. Rest as much as you can. Any excuse to rest. Twisted ankle, rest. <laughs> Head cold, rest. Just take the days off. It's going to be way harder now, but at least in the early part of the season, while they're experimenting with trying to bring in talent through a non-draft-oriented you know, pipeline, which I think is not a bad idea considering where they are as a, as a franchise, they, they should go through that process and let those guys eat the minutes, and if they play a back-to-back and they lose a game to Orlando, so what? They're going to be okay at the end of the season. They will have time to make up those games in the second half of the season, really the the last two-thirds of the season, once we have Rob back as well and whatever solution they need to go with, whether it's a trade or not. So just rest as much as possible. That's really the only goal I have for Al Horford this season beyond what we already know he's capable of. I I like it, doctor. Thank you. Not that kind of doctor, but nailed it. <laughs> and um, Alex, you up? Oh, sorry, my uh, my Zoom is being a little wonky. Uh, yeah, there we go. Sorry, you can cut this part out. <laughs> so uh, let's see. Next up, we have Robert Williams, and for Robert Williams, there is only one goal that matters, which is health, 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 and more health. Focus on getting physically right above all things. Rob, we need you out there. We need you out there at your best. Do whatever you have to do to get healthy above all else. And then once you do get back healthy, maybe take a couple of mid-range jumpers every now and then just to space the floor. Uh, that was a thing that was coming along last year and showed in spurts. I think you can get a little bit more courageous with that mid-range jumper. Not saying take it, you know, seven times a game, but if you got an open look, let it fly. Um, on defense, Rob can learn something from Celtics legend, the late great Bill Russell. Uh, in the following sense, Rob established himself last year as one of the league's preeminent shot swatters. He is really, really good at protecting the rim, blocking shots into the fifth row, et cetera, et cetera. But one thing I would like Rob to do is work on blocking shots with intention in the way that Bill Russell would block shots with the intent of um, getting, getting the rebound and using it to lead fast breaks and get transition points. Rob, if you can settle into protecting the rim via that, like getting blocks with the intention of getting rebounds instead of swatting shots into the fifth row, which is cool, admittedly. I'm I'm a fan of that over not blocking anything. But if he can be a little bit more judicious with how he blocks his shots, I think he could go from a very good defensive player to a potential um, DPOY level player. I I agree with all of those the the mid-range man would he keep defenses honest if he could make a 15 footer and i'm sure he he can he's just a tremendous athlete and the health of course the third thing with the blocking of the shots if a modern player was ever able to block shots to a teammate or block it to themselves then we would have nothing to complain about it's it's the it's the thing that will always keep Russell alive 
in terms of comparisons because nobody, and, and I've seen Ewing, Elijah, Matumbo, nobody seems to be able to block it unless they're actually catching the ball with the glass. They're, they're, it, is, it, it is mentally impossible for them to replicate Russell. I, I don't know why, but it, it's really frustrating because it's, it's an opportunity for a pick six type play so frequently. He did it a little bit last season too. Not very often, but there were, yeah. there were some flashes of it. So I'm going to be watching for that when he does come back. Yeah. All right, Alex, uh, you're still up because you got Brogdon. Right. Malcolm Brogdon, the new addition, the prized acquisition of the Celtics offseason and a guy that I am really excited to see play basketball. Um, Malcolm, my goals for you are the following. One, stay healthy. Um, that's a theme for a lot of my goals. Malcolm Brogdon has had his own fair share of injury woes, so I'm hoping that he can stay healthy. Um, take rest when needed. You know, uh, sounds like they're planning to not play him back to backs, limit his minutes in the regular season, and have him ready to go for the playoffs. I like that. Um, and then this is something that Malcolm Brogdon is already really good at, but I would just love to see him do more of. Provide leadership for this team without stepping on toes. And I mentioned that last part because I think it's a tricky thing to come into a team with some established chemistry and uh, kind of do locker room leadership stuff without getting in the way of ascending leaders like Jason Tatum and Marcus Smart and Jalen Brown. Those guys have earned the right to be leaders on this team. And I think they should be pushing that. And it sounds like Jason Tatum has been super vocal and trying to be more of a leader in training camp, things like that. I, I think all of that is great. For Brogdon, it's about providing leadership in the form of how he carries himself and his approach to the game and staying poised and staying calm and offering um, kind of additional perspectives without uh, trying to necessarily like supplant other leaders of this team, like using leadership as a way to build those guys up and let them empower them to become leaders in their own right rather than stepping on their toes. Uh, and to this end, I think one of the most visible ways that we can see that is by Malcolm Brogdon uh, finding a way to be a coach on the floor. If you think about the idea that, and I think the Celtics are planning on using him in this way for the most part, that Malcolm Brogdon is going to be mostly running the bench units. Um, Malcolm Brogdon has a chance there to be a coach on the floor for a bunch of younger players, a bunch of players with a little bit less experience, you know, Grant Williams, Peyton Pritchard, um, potentially Kevin Gale as well. Guys who I think are good players, but players that need guidance to really be their best selves. That's where Brogdon comes in. He can organize that offense. He can get people to where they need to be, and he can settle things down when it seems like, uh, for example, the Celtics offense is going cold. They need a bucket. Malcolm Brogdon knows how to get a bucket. So leadership, health, poise, and making sure to not step on each other's toes. That's Malcolm Brogdon. I think he's going to be a great fit on this team for all those reasons. I love it. I, th I think that's really great insight, Alex. All right, I'm up with Grant, and this is the part of the, the programming where I I say we got to move quick. It's, uh, quite frankly, I, I have a dinner to get to. <laughs> so anyways, my goal for Grant Williams is uh, straightforward. He's in a contract year. He has until the 17th. The team, he and the team could come up with a contract extension. They might not. And as best as you can, Grant, don't let that, you know, seep into your thoughts. If either don't get too big for your britches because you signed the extension, or if you don't sign the extension, uh, just stay focused day to day. So that's my goal for you, Mr. Grant Williams. And uh, Gary, I assume, I mean, I said that so brilliantly. I assume you approve. I, I approve. I, I also hope that he will continue to feel confident with his, with those corner threes, which were, which were just such a, a, a crucial aspect of their run. That, uh, that's going to come up again when, uh, okay. when I give my next goal. Um, but first, Dr. Quinn, Pritchard. So for, for Pritchard, really, he's got to find ways to maximize being small, right? And a lot of that can be relocating, slashing, cutting, off-ball movement, 
that kind of a thing on offense, but also learning the little guy tricks on defense to, to use your weight as a fulcrum. Uh, Marcus Smart does that with bigs, so he might be able to teach something. You might also want to reach out to some of the smaller Celtics in the past, like Kimba Walker or Isaiah Thomas for some of their tricks. Um, exactly, exactly. And he's going to be around too. So those are the kinds of things I think he really needs to do to maximize his ability to contribute to this team and stay on the floor in the postseason. Gary, you're not a small guy. This isn't your purview. As a small guy... Dr. Quinn, that's fantastic. Um, we're, we're trying our best out there, let me tell you. No, it was really strong. He, he reminds me of, of another Boston athlete, Mickey Ward, and just his, his compact and his quickness and, and, his, uh, and his fire and his – yeah. Boston's got some great little guys in the history of Boston sports. Yeah. Dustin Pedroia, IT – Maybe that's a fun – mark that down for the next offseason. Edelman. Edelman. Wepler. Yeah, West Weckler. Um, all right, I got Derek White, uh, Mr. White. I was going to say you got to find your three-point shot, and um, specifically the corner is a great place to work on your three-point shot. He's a career 34% shooter. He's peaked at 36. Last year he shot 30.6 with Boston. Um, but Dr. Quinn, now that I know about this dad joke fiasco – Derek White. Uh, my goal for you, Mr. White, is um, not all dad jokes are created equal, and I think you should lean into that because a good dad joke is a good dad joke, and a bad dad joke is, is exactly that. So, um, I demand one per press appearance. That's my goal. What if they're going to be that bad? What was the first one you told us? Oh, man. You can just go back and read the article I wrote on Celtics Wire. There's a plug, right? Uh, and here's one for him if he's listening. Que hace un pez en agua? Nada. Ooh. Yeah. <laughs> Cute. Um, all right, let's keep it moving. And maybe at the end, Gary, you, I'd love your take on dad jokes, but um, <laughs> but we got to keep it moving. So um, uh, Luke Cornett technically belongs to Justin, but Alex, I feel like you should steal it. Oh, yeah, baby. I'm happy to jump in on Luke Cornett. Um, I think Justin listed the goal of don't do too much, focus on defense, hit shots when you're open, and don't force your role. I think all of those are great goals for Luke Cornett. Uh, you know, his job is to come in and potentially be a plug and play starter if training camp is to be believed. Um, you know, come in, do what you need to do, uh, don't force it, hit open threes, roll to the rim, block shots, et cetera, et cetera. That is all well and good. But I have another goal for Luke Cornett. And I think this is a goal that he can do quite well, which is bring a little bit of nasty to this team. Luke Cornett, you are out here and you are going to be getting an opportunity to foul some dudes pretty hard, uh, to mix it up with some big men and kind of assert yourself. And I would kind of like to see Luke Cornett bring a little bit of chippiness to this game in the vein of Marcus Smart and some of the other chippier players on the Celtics team. Because I know Kurt Rambis, perhaps. Well, so here's the thing. <laughs> I know that there is very little more that NBA players hate than a guy who they think is they are better than uh, mixing it up and getting chippy and being annoying and getting in their face. So I'm hoping that Luke Cornett can learn a little bit from the school of Grant Williams last year and Marcus Smart in years prior and mix it up with some of these dudes. Don't be afraid to get a little nasty, Luke. Gary, you approve? I, I do approve. And I, and I, I, I'm always convinced that anybody who gets to this level has some true grit. So I, I, I think these are all actionable. That's the, that's the main thing with these goals is that these guys can, can uh, act on them. Yeah. We're tough, but fair at this level. Yeah. Podcast, so. <laughs> all right, Dr. Quinn, uh, you have the next two and a half, three. So I'll try to breathe through them so you can go get your food on. Uh, so for Hauser, Hauser is really just has the same exact situation right he's got to show that he can defend he's got to focus on his role which in this case is not rebounding and blocking shots so much as it is hitting them uh and you know just don't try to do too much just focus on defending we already know you can shoot we we want you to shoot when you're open do that 
when it comes to, I treated all the deep rotation guys uh, because we don't really know who is actually going to be the deep rotation guys until training camp is over. Uh, just one of you, please be playable for 15 minutes a game. That's your goal. That's your only goal. You only have to rebound, maybe occasionally pass the ball, or, you know, if you're a wing, hit an open shot. That's it. You don't even have to defend well, honestly, for what you're going to be doing and what is expected of you. Just do enough. Um, as far as Joe Mazzula goes, my goal is for him is just don't screw it up. He's got, as I said earlier, seven decades of organizational competence and respect on his shoulders. So if you are not the man for the job, be honest. It's okay. You will do infinitely more for the history of your career in the Boston Celtics by asking for help when you need it. So please do. That's all I got. To that end, they might bring in some seasoned assistant coaches. Um, Gary, approve of that goal? Anything I love it. Yes. Yes. Very strong. Uh, we could carve out time, Gary, just quickly. Anything you would add about Coach Joe? Well, I, I, think, I think it's a great position to be in. The expectations are, are not high. It's a, a great opportunity to – to assume this position with a really good team. Most first-year play uh, coaches are coming into a team that was a, a loser the previous year, and the mm-hmm. coach got left behind. So th- this is a, a unique and, and valuable opportunity. And uh, if he does well, maybe they bring him back, or he gets a job elsewhere. For, uh, But it's not going to be as good a team, so... Yeah. That, that, that would be the only downside, but I, I think it's a good opportunity and, and it's a, it's a good organization. So I I'd be, I'd be really excited if I were him. To that end, I have the last Celtics goal and that's for Brad Stevens. And um, aside from the things that we said before this game, which I, I, I stand by, I would just say to Brad, don't panic. Um, this team has a ton of talent and they also have a lot of new working pieces, so they might flounder a little bit and the noise might get loud, um, but staying the course is probably more important. So making a shrewd move on the sidelines uh, with a trade or something like that feels unnecessary. So trust the process, Brad, um, is my goal for you. Um, to the listeners, I have a couple goals. First, like and subscribe to this podcast if you haven't. And second, whether in person next time Gary's in town or uh, on your favorite streaming service, go check out Gary's standup because it's the best in the business. Uh, Gary, I, I assume you agree with that goal. I do. Um, and my goal to you, Gary Goldman, is to convince Mike Birbiglia to come on the Celtics Lab podcast. You can join him. But, um, oh, yeah. We want for Yes. I saw that. I, I, I think he'd be a good guest. Yeah, you'd enjoy him. He's fun. He'd be the second best comedian guest we've ever had. <laughs> Thank you, guys. All right, uh, so everyone, truly, thank you for listening. Um, next week, we can talk about the preseason. How fun is that? And soon enough, we'll actually have NBA games under our belt. But until then, Gary. Amazing. Thanks again, guys. It was great uh, seeing you. Everyone, thanks for yeah, listening. Likewise. Adios.